I'm Chelsea Sodaro, and you know, I still see myself as pretty new to the sport. I'm super curious and I want to learn from the best. And I am Eric Gilsonen. You know, everyone is a triathlete, they just don't know it yet. Who is your hero in the sport of triathlon? Finish line, whether you're the first finisher or the final finisher, is where all people come together. We're all out there together. That's what I live for. This, this is the Chelsea is the and Chelsea Eric Show. And Welcome to the Chelsea and Eric show. Chelsea here with an exciting update. It seems that COVID has become a very active time for people having babies and pro athletes are no exception. As you may know, I am very pregnant. In fact, by the time you hear this, I may have already had my baby daughter. So I wanted to talk to some of my fellow triathlete parents and get as much advice as possible before my due date, which is actually today. As a result, we put together a series of podcasts with me speaking to new moms and dads. Selfishly, though, we've mainly hit up the moms. I have had the incredible privilege of interviewing a number of professional and amateur triathlete moms recently to pick their brains on balancing motherhood and their careers and sport. One of my favorite interviews so far, though, has been with a woman named Dr. Marcy Snodgrass. She was a competitive amateur triathlete during the 80s and made a massive career transition when she interviewed for med school at eight months pregnant. And she was actually eight months pregnant with me. Yes, I had the opportunity to interview my own mom on the Chelsea and Eric show. And guys, she delivered. I cannot wait for you to listen to this super special episode where I get the opportunity to chat with her about all things sport, motherhood, and how she made her career work while raising a family at the same time. Dr. Marcy Snodgrass, welcome to the Chelsea and Eric show. I'm so excited to have you on today. It's an honor to be here, Chelsea. Thank you. This is a particularly special episode for me because you are a woman that I admire and you are a massive part of my life. In fact, you're my mother. And so (laughs) it's really a thrill to combine you know, my personal life and family life with my work that I do with this podcast. So I'm excited to talk to you today. Exciting moments for me too. We're going to learn a lot about each other perhaps. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too. So as you know, we are doing this special series on pregnancy and maternity on the Chelsea and Eric show. And You are a perfect guest, in my opinion, for several reasons. First of all, you are a mom, you are a triathlete, and while you haven't competed in a triathlon in several years, you do swim, bike, and you run, and you were on the scene in San Diego in the 80s, and 
you also are a physician and you practiced OB for over 20 years. First of all, I would love to know a little bit about your own personal background in sports. Have you always been an athlete? Where did your athletic career, so to speak, start? Or how did that start for you? Because you're a lifelong athlete, but I'd love for you to tell our audience a little bit about your own sporting ventures. I remember loving tetherball and jump rope in grade school. The playground was definitely so fun and important. Um, When we moved to Davis in junior high, my friends were pretty sporty, but that was in the 60s and 70s. And there weren't a lot of opportunities for girls. And I just played around a little tennis here and there, volleyball. In junior high, we had a really fun PE teacher who helped us tumble a little bit. So a little bit of gymnastics. And a few of us really embraced that. And we even probably have great pictures of us doing bridges and flip-flops and things like that in junior high. And then when I went to UC Davis for a couple of years, followed my friends into the PE major and into the swimming pool. And they were all good swimmers. And I was the slowest swimmer in the pool. But I competed and... So you competed in swimming uh, at UC Davis? I did. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, the things we learn. Things we learn. I was really slow and it was demoralizing in some ways, but I was out there and getting more fit all the time. Um, When I transferred to UC Berkeley, it was basically just to get out of Davis because Davis was really small back then. And I very quickly found Herman Jim, which I think it's still called that now. I'm not sure. But um, in the gym, I saw people tumbling and it was mostly men and somehow they let me in and I fell on my butt a lot of times trying to do these handsprings and flip-flops and things. But I put my heart and soul into it. Um, I also worked about 20 hours a week to help put myself through school. And so my job was in the gym also just down the hall in the intramural department refereeing football of all things, basketball, water polo. Within a few months of getting to Berkeley and being in that gym tumbling, they started a women's gymnastics team. Somehow I got on the team. There were no tryouts that I recall. I was definitely barely an intermediate gymnast. But again, my heart and soul just loved this tumbling around and balance beam I put a ton of time and grit into it, became the team captain as the most inspirational, not the best on the team by a long shot. But I would say I really attribute my athletics to that time in my life, that gymnastics was mm, somehow it just gave me a ton of confidence that I could do anything I wanted in any realm of life, not just athletics. That's Really powerful. And I think fun for me to hear you talk about that time because, you know, I think that you probably sell yourself a little short. It's an incredible accomplishment to be the team captain of the inaugural women's gymnastics team at an institution like UC Berkeley right around the time when, you know, Title IX is instituted. And Mm -hmm. finally, there are these opportunities for women to participate in sports at this level. And so that's actually like quite groundbreaking what you were able to accomplish at that time. Yeah, that was uh, very special to me. And 
it became my life. I really don't remember studying <laughs> because I was in the gym probably 20 hours a week and working 20 hours a week. Um, so it was actually when I got injured, our favorite topic, I uh, ended up breaking my kneecaps a couple of times and retired. I guess I was a senior, super senior, and retired into more work and was able to graduate. So I want to talk about your first career a little bit. This was Title IX time, and a bunch of men were running the department, and most of the people refereeing were also men. They needed a woman in the department when I graduated. Do you think they needed kind of a staple token woman as part of the department? Yes. And I will also say that they could see that I was a hard worker and I had some talent sure. to, to uh, get the job done and was interested in that field. Um, had never planned on it, was really focusing on exercise physiology in my PE major, which doesn't even exist anymore. Um, but it's essentially but yeah. a kinesiology major. Exactly. Now. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I was in the right place at the right time and had some skill and work ethic. So where did you go with that from UC Berkeley? So I worked there for a few years and had an opportunity to move to San Diego State, which must have been about 1980, as the director of the full program. So I had been an assistant director in Berkeley. So I had this new opportunity and loved being in San Diego. And that's where... I became a triathlete. Yeah, we're going to get into that. So <laughs> a lot happened in San Diego. You yes. were the director of the entire rec sports program at San Diego State, which is kind of a big deal. And you also met my dad there. Yes. Peter came a couple years after I did and was the director of the Outdoor Recreation Center. How did you guys find triathlon? Was that something that you discovered together? And how... How did sports kind of like play a role in your relationship? I arrived there in 80 and got my feet on the ground in my job and then started training. So working or training constantly. Um, what do you mean when you say training? Oh, so I was riding my bike to work every day, which is about 13 miles from where I lived. So I'd ride up the hills to work at probably 6.30 a.m. and I would ride home around 6.30 p.m. Uh, because I had long days at work trying to have a good program. And then, um, and I was running and swimming somehow. I don't remember exactly how. Peter came onto the scene in a couple years later. And he, one of my friends that I worked with said to Peter, oh, you should really date Marcy. I wasn't looking for a date. And Peter said, I do not date people I work with. So we just actually became really good friends. And to me, that meant that it wasn't going to be romantic. So there was just no pressure and we became really good friends. And Peter was training for one of his Boston marathons. He wanted to run down to the beach. So he would run. I would bike alongside him running. So it wasn't a great workout, I suppose. But we would run down to my house at the beach, close to the beach, and make dinner. And then I would, I would drive him home. And then one thing kind of led to another. And we, we actually went on a date and it was the weirdest thing. It like just felt weird and wrong and right all in the same moment. You went on a date without any swimming, biking or running. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Right. That was probably a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> Very. 
Um, but that was the the romance was then full fledged. Isn't it amazing how I don't know if it's if it's not having to have such like direct eye contact with someone <laughs> that allows you to have really intimate, deep conversations when you're biking or running next to someone because I experienced the same thing with Steve like when we first started becoming good friends and then falling in love it was on runs together isn't that funny yes that's true where does triathlon come in for you guys okay so your dad was doing marathons but then we got on our bikes and we were doing a lot of that and I did one or two triathlons at about that time 82 ish and he decided he would join the, the program of triathlons also. And he credits me with trying to drown him in the ocean. <laughs> Yikes. So not actively. You were just a much stronger swimmer than him. Right. So I was trying to teach him and probably didn't fully coach close enough. So, okay. yeah. So, and then we both started doing a few more triathlons. And you competed on the... Bud Light series, right? Yes, yes. And you were quite competitive from what I understand. I did pretty good as a recreational athlete. I was mostly in the top 10. In those from Bud what Lights. he, from how <laughs> my dad explains it, he says that you were a very competitive sub-elite oh. triathlete. And I have seen some of the photos <laughs> and you were shredded. So you guys fall in love on the triathlon circuit in San Diego you end up moving to San Luis Obispo because I believe that you are a big part of starting the rec sports program at San Luis Obispo, right? I wouldn't take credit for that. Um, and Cal- at Cal Poly, I was brought in to be the new director of rec sports there. How many women were doing were in positions like yours at this time? It was becoming more common to see it. Um, but probably a dozen around the country at that point, but more and more along my career. Wow. And so you were, of course, like responsible for hiring for these programs. And right. Was that something that you were conscious of, of getting more women involved in rec sports? I don't really remember specifically being so conscious about it, but definitely had a lot of women that I worked with and loved that as well as the men and was really looking just for the right person. Mostly I worked with part-time people, student employees throughout my career there in San Diego. So um, I have definitely seen a lot of those part-time student employees become full-time directors. Yeah. I think it's, it's so interesting to hear you talk about this time and being in a leadership role like that, because I feel very strongly that we need to have more women in leadership roles like that, especially in sports. You know, there are so few female coaches at the collegiate and the highest levels and even, you know, executives in a lot of um, like s- sports companies mm-hmm. or athletics related companies and And it's really neat to hear how you were kind of a pioneer in that aspect. So as you are part of this program at Cal Poly, you decide that you want to make a pretty massive career change. In fact, you decide that you want to go to medical school. 
Tell me about that decision. I decided I wanted to have a woman as a doctor, which I'd never had, and somehow came across this amazing woman who was part-time. She had a couple of kids, which is why she was working part-time. I'm not sure how she was able to, because that feels like it's a newer way. And working part-time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and she was such a perfect doctor for us. We didn't have any medical problems to speak of, but, um, Peter went to her as well. You know, the rec sports thing I'd been doing for 12 or 13 years. And I wouldn't say I was bored because there was never a dull moment. Um, but there wasn't necessarily any place I wanted to grow into. So your dad actually said, you know, you could do that. And I've been around medicine most of my life with my dad having been in public health and helping to start the med school at UC Davis. So there were always doctors around and, but they were all men. And in high school, I barely thought I should go to college, much less be a doctor. So when your dad said that, I was like, hmm, I guess so. And we just ran from there. I had to retake some science classes that I hadn't done so well in, in college and did great in them in my prereq days. And um, at the same time, of course, we decided that we should start a family. And so I was doing prereqs, was pregnant and trying to get into med school. Right. You actually interviewed for med school when you were eight months pregnant with me. Indeed. What was that experience like? <laughs> so getting on a plane when you're 32 or 34 weeks pregnant is its own little thing. Um, because people are wondering why you're there and if you're going to make it to the other end. I was able to interview at Michigan State University, which ended up being an amazingly great fit for me and my family. I believe that I had a lot of probably lack of confidence that I belonged in an interview with my pregnancy and with my I don't know, not feeling good enough, but on the other hand, was able to sell myself. And the program made an amazing decision, again, in retrospect, to accept me for the following year. They knew somehow that I need to spend a year with my daughter. So did they allow you to defer your acceptance or they just accepted you for a year down the road? They just accepted me for a year down the road. Interesting. Yes, which was I don't even remember being disappointed about it because now I was going to have a full year with my daughter who we didn't know was a daughter until you came. <laughs> um, but I was going to have that full year, um, still had a job and um, would be able to go into med school with probably a little more preparation. And this was um, the program that you went to at Michigan State. It was actually pretty cutting edge in its diversity of accepted applicants, right? It really was, yes. I think about 50% of the class that I started with was were women and about 20% were ethnic minority students. There were also a couple of 50-year-old women. So when I showed up at 36 with one kid, uh, I, was, there, I wasn't even strange. So there was a lot of diversity. You weren't particularly <laughs> unique. No, not at all. <laughs> so I really 
pride myself on my ability to reinvent my skill set. I think I've shown this through my transition from professional running to triathlon, but I actually feel like you've kind of modeled this for me for my whole life. Actually, were you like consciously thinking about what it would be like to have a career change in your mid thirties with an infant and then having your second child in the middle of med school? Like were these really (laughs) intentional decisions that you were making or is this just kind of how life unfolded and you figured it out along the way? The, the going to med school part was definitely intentional, but probably naive. Um, A lot of people were doubters and suggested that it was a dumb thing to do. And, oh, all of medicine was changing to negative ways and I shouldn't go into it. Um, But I've benefited immensely from the privilege of being a doctor, becoming a doctor, and then practicing now for 25 years or so. Can't imagine life without it. I think it's important for us to break away from the expectation that women need to do it all and be all of the things all of the time. You were like so ambitious in your career and in making this career change while also starting your family. I know that co-parenting played a really big role in that and your partnership with my dad and perhaps like breaking away from typical, the typical gender roles in a marriage and a family life. What did that look like? And how did you guys make it work? Thankfully, going to med school was your dad's idea. (laughs) So we can blame him for that one. (laughs) But he was, has been really so supportive throughout. Very quickly, it became clear that he would have to be or want to be or both um, a full co-parent that, um, he would be taking kids to daycare and picking them up more than me. He would be, you know, afternoons with you guys. And he was the head cook and bottle washer most of the time. Um, and I would be able to come home, whether it be from med school or residency or my work when I was working full time and be the mom and be with you guys and enjoy putting you to bed even. And then I would be back at the books studying or completing my work for the day that didn't get done yet. So um, Peter was amazing at really being a full co-parent. And I think that was amazing for you guys to see that modeled as kids that your dad was almost more important than your mom in getting you to school and back and to soccer practice and things. I think that's really important that you saw that and that you saw that I could do both. I don't know if, yeah, I think you're right that having women have to do it all or think they need to be everything is not so great, but I'm really not sure that I would have done it, wanted to do it any other way, but thank goodness your dad was on board. Yeah, I think it's interesting to hear you talk about it in that way, because I agree. Thank goodness that he was on board and being an equal partner. I don't know that now in 2021, it should necessarily have to be 
a surprise or revolutionary, (laughs) you know, that both parties would want to be equal. I do appreciate what was modeled for me because I think that it really empowered me to feel like I can have my career ambitions and also start a family and count on a partner that wants to parent just as much as I do and is fully supportive of both of those goals. You're like such an incredibly brave woman to me and you embody what it means to be a strong woman to me and not in this like raw, raw sort of way, but just in how you live your life and how I've seen you make these career and family decisions. Do you you think you were intentional about modeling that for us? I don't think so. I think that's just how living life was meant to be for me. I have always had a work ethic, um, probably modeled from my parents, and I've always worked and worked hard and had a lot of pride in my work. And then as a parent, a lot of pride in how that should be for kids, that they should have their parents nearby and have support. I think it's just who I am. And I appreciate the the compliments. (laughs) Switching gears a little bit, back to me. (laughs) I am expecting, actually, my due date is five days from now. So exciting. Fingers crossed she gets here ASAP because we're ready. (laughs) What advice do you have for me as a new mom? Oh, my gosh. Both as an exceptional mom, in my opinion, but also as, you know, a family practice OBGYN. It's kind of the standard, I think, is to really enjoy every moment you can with your daughter and your husband. It's awesome that Steve really will be a wonderful co-parent. He's as excited about this as you are. Hopefully you guys can just cherish every moment that you have together and individually with your daughter. I remember how important or how amazing it was that you would just get more beautiful and more awesome every day, I think. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Things just change so fast, so you don't want to miss a moment of it. Um, on the other hand, you want to take time for your relationship. So you should definitely ask your mom to babysit a lot (laughs) and you should ask for help, accept it where it's available. How did you guys kind of keep your, maintain your active lifestyle and your involvement in your sports and activities while also having kids? So not always perfectly well. Early on, we had the jogging stroller which eventually we had two kids piled into one jogging stroller. Into the single? You just didn't, yeah. sing, you didn't splurge for the double stroller? No, that's actually a regret. So pro tip. Yep, pro tip. Get us double. And we would walk and run all over Michigan State campus at that time. And then I remember running around Davis once we moved here. And when you guys learned to ride your bikes, I was like in heaven, Chelsea now can ride her bike alongside me running. This is going to make it so much easier. Game changer. Game changer for sure. So we incorporated you guys as much as we could into the game. I think we both Peter and I uh, were wanted to stay active and I think we were at least running a lot. 
When did you start to realize that your kids weren't just sort of into sports <laughs> that we really both my brother Max and I really had a strong passion for being outside and for competing actually. Mm-hmm. We saw it through soccer leagues and Max did some basketball leagues and, you know, always outside playing basketball in the street and skating and rollerblading. Um, And certainly by high school, the competitive soccer went, you know, by the wayside and you got into running in a huge way and Max ultimately into water polo in a big way. And we were, I'd say, not surprised at all, just because of the trajectory of how you'd really always wanted to be involved in one of the sports or another. But then we were also able to support it along the way and be there for you. How did you support that? Because I was quite committed to my running and was on you know, the track to do that at the Division One level in college. And my brother ended up competing on the water polo team at the Air Force Academy, which is also a division one program. How did you navigate having two kids that were that committed and focused on their sports? You know, thankfully you guys were a few years apart in school. So by the time he was in freshman water polo, you were a senior and heading off to college. And so um, we really were somehow able to embrace you both in those sports. Um, I remember traveling to water polo when he was in junior high school, even with the club meets and dad might be on the track or vice versa. You know, we had the privilege of being able to follow you guys around the state and sometimes the country and really enjoyed something that neither one of us had competed at that kind of level. So it was new and exciting and Um, You had supportive coaches. And so for us to be able to do it was just a privilege. How do you think from what you have seen with me, why do you think they might be important or so important for girls? I think sports are important on so many levels as a physician, certainly for the health and fitness and obesity prevention levels. Personally, from watching you as an athlete and having my own athletic experiences, I think that somehow the physical competences that we get through pursuing sports and athletics builds an amazing amount of confidence. That confidence allows us to succeed in other aspects of life that I don't know that I would have without my athletic career. And it's amazing to watch you having succeeded in many different ways as a result of your career. You and I are quite close. And so you've had a lot of insight into my pregnancy and how I've been training throughout my pregnancy. And you actually connected me with the pelvic floor PT that I've been working with. What sort of resources jumping back did you have when you were pregnant (laughs) And wanting to return to activity after having a baby. So I had my OBGYN doctor who was really fun, guided us pregnancy wise. Certainly not a lot of guidance about exercise or athletics. I don't think there was 
any resources that I would have even thought to reach out for. So it was kind of the standard, maybe six week checkup, and then you're good to go absolutely on your way with your life and yes. whatever you're into. Yes. Interesting. How has that evolved? Have you noticed an evolution from that approach since you had kids to how you practice medicine or how you now see OB medicine being practiced? I think now what I've seen through my career is really a lot of support for women breastfeeding and I would say emotional support for me as a physician, encouraging people to get back to walking and some kind of activity, but more so on an exercise level. During pregnancy or post-pregnancy? Actually both. I've encouraged women of all shapes and sizes and with gestational diabetes and without to really make sure that they're getting some form of exercise through their pregnancy. Um, I would say most people walk or swim, maybe some biking, but mostly stationary bike after a certain point. So this is like, would you say quite different from what was recommended to you when you were pregnant? I don't think there was a big emphasis on it because I already was active I was pretty committed to exercising. So whether it was walking or I mostly swam through my pregnancy, which felt amazing. So I, you know, I think it probably has evolved just because I think there's more emphasis on exercise and fitness in general in medicine. What were your expectations for my pregnancy? That's a good question. I fully expected you to train at some level through your pregnancy I got some guidance so that I could help guide you a little bit that there was probably going to be a point in your pregnancy where your body would tell you that you couldn't run marathons anymore, which we, I think, saw. I probably was so distracted during pregnancy that I didn't really barely have a twinge of, I don't know, barely some fatigue and nausea, rarely. Um, so to have you know, watched you have a little more fatigue and uh, GI issues has been, you know, unfortunate on some levels, but you've done great. By GI issues, she means nausea. <laughs> Just to clarify. Sorry. <laughs> this is a triathlon podcast, so we really Sorry. have to specify. Good point. Good point. Here. <laughs> but it's been fun to watch you stay so active and fit. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun to share the experience with you. I mean, in part because of how much knowledge you have, but also just, it just feels, I think, extra special that I am having a daughter because I feel like I've had such like a strong female role model as a mom. And that's what I want to be for my daughter. And it just feels like even more special to be hopefully continuing that trend for our family. But what are your athletic goals now? <laughs> you're in your 60s. Indeed. And you're quite active. Do you have any goals? Would you like to get back on the race course? <laughs> My athletic goals are to stay fit, get fitter. In the past year, I've been weight training pretty much the first time in my life that I've done that with at all serious edge. And my goal is to be fitter, but also to try to avoid injury. 
I have inherited a fair amount of uh, some arthritis, let's say that, and gave up running for the elliptigo about five years ago, um, which has been really forgiving on my joints. Um, it would be great to do um, a little Olympic uh, distance triathlon if running became a reality at some point in the future with your guidance. But I definitely want to be able to swim, bike, and elliptigo and do Pilates and weight train. Need to avoid any injuries that would sideline me from those. What advice do you have for women, moms who are in their 60s who want to live a healthy and active lifestyle? So definitely to never stop moving, to stay active physically, you know, depending on where someone's starting from, to be walking and pretty much anybody can walk. And if joints don't allow that to get on an exercise bike or a bike, swimming is a great way to stay active as well. I do think weight training and or Pilates or yoga are really important to us to stay fit and keep our bones strong. So I think start from where you are and build slowly up to a higher level if if you have the time and energy to do so. But I think at least that minimum 30 minutes a day of exercise is important. Awesome. I love it. Mom. Chess. <laughs> we have a little quick fire round for you here. Oh, no. Just a few short questions. The pressure is on. Not really. There's no pressure. Okay. This is all fun and games. Are you ready? I guess. Your favorite mantra or saying? Oh boy. Um, do your best. I love it. Your favorite journey. Oh gosh. We went to Nepal up to the base camp of Mount Everest. That's gotta be it. That's really cool. Your favorite sound. Mellow music. You get one style of hokas to wear for the rest of your life. What style do you choose? I'd say the Clifton's solid choice. Yeah. And of note, I think I've been wearing hokas for many years. Have you? Probably longer than you. Uh, an OG adopter here. Yes. The first thing you want to do when we're out of the COVID woods? I would say travel and go see Max and his family. Awesome. Go and, see my brother and his family. Yep. In New Mexico. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Well, Dr. Marcy Snodgrass... Mom, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. I learned, I learned some new things today. I thought you might. It's been an honor, Chelsea. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Chelsea and Eric Show is brought to you by Hoka One One and Iron Man.